So, let's see if this works yet. No. Ah. So why baptism? And like, where did John get this idea? As with many other traditions, water is seen as a symbol of purification. Jews used to practice, or still do practice, what is known as proselyte baptism. That is, a ceremony that admitted Gentiles into Judaism. An article in the Interpreter's Dictionary of the Bible says that there's no consensus on whether or not proselyte baptism was practiced early enough so that John might have adopted it. And there's no reference to the practice in the First Testament. But based on early Christian and other historical readings, scholars believe it is possible that the practice could have started in the first century. Because scripture was read during the rite, it was probably more than a ceremonial dedication. It was also regarded as an act of self-dedication to God. So it was both a physical thing and a spiritual thing. The rite of baptism has been changed over the centuries. The way it's done, who it's done to, who's allowed to be baptized. We used to get baptized naked. Aren't you glad we don't do that anymore? <laughs> Every faith tradition does it a little different. Some faith traditions practice infant baptism. Some say a person should wait until they are of age. Some recognize other denominations' baptisms. Some require you to be baptized again. Some sprinkle, some dunk. All can find biblical justification for their traditions. But in spite of Robert Duvall's self-baptism in the movie The Apostle, baptism is about community. In the design of this denomination, our guiding document, it says that through baptism we enter into newness of life and are made whole with one people of God. Here we practice full immersion baptism. Our baptistry is back there. We fill it with water. If Lavella was here, she would tell you it's usually very cold. <laughs> and we do it when people are old enough to make their own decisions about it. That is, we don't typically perform infant baptism. This denomination will dedicate children to the life of the church, but we wait until a person is old enough to make their own decision to offer the sacrament of baptism. We do recognize the baptisms of other denominations, however, so we don't re-baptize people unless there is some pressing theological or pastoral need to do so. Baptism is a sacrament much like communion. It's an outward sign of God's inward grace. Baptism initiates us into a community of believers. Not merely this church and this congregation, but the entire body of Christ worldwide. Theologian Dwayne Cummings describes it as ordaining us to serve in Christ's name. Baptism is us saying yes to God, and to entering into a covenant with our neighbors. It's also a chance for the church to covenant with the baptized, right? To hold them up, to hold them accountable, to support them, to pray with them, and to walk with them on their journey. In baptism, we make a commitment to die to our old ways and to let God show us what we should be. Baptism is symbolic of dying to our inner selves and our egos and rising into new life with God. 
So back to John. For him, because God was on God's way right now, baptism is also a sign of repentance. Why would Jesus need to do such a thing? Author and theologian Barbara Brown Taylor writes in her sermon, The River of Life, about the difficulty we sometimes have in discussing Jesus' baptism. The Christian church has never been comfortable with the baptism of Jesus. Compare the accounts of it in each of the four Gospels, and you cannot miss the unease of the authors. Matthew elaborates on Mark's story by adding that John tried to talk Jesus out of being baptized. And Luke will not even come out and say that it was John who did it. The fourth Gospel is the most ticklish of all. In it, John bears witness that he saw the Spirit descend like a dove on Jesus, but he does not mention anything about baptism at all. Scholars say that all of this embarrassment is our surest proof that Jesus really was baptized by John. Because when someone tells you something that it's not in their best interest for you to know, then you can probably be sure they're telling you the truth. Even if Jesus were innocent, even if his intentions were nothing but good, says Taylor, it was ruinous to his reputation. Who was going to believe that he was there just because he cared about people and refused to separate himself from them? By his baptism, Jesus sides with humanity. He's not setting himself apart from the rest of us. He is demonstrating his solidarity with us. Baptism is about agreeing to follow God's will, and it's a public declaration of one's intent to do so. Officially baptized or not, whether you can remember it or not, when was the first time you remember God's grace entering into your life in a way that you cannot deny? Along with the cleansing, and in addition to this community covenant, baptism is also a naming and reclaiming of us. When Jesus emerges from the water, the Spirit of God descends and says, You are my Son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. God names and claims Jesus, and in so doing, God identifies with us. God names us. God claims us. I don't know about you. I've been called a lot of different names in my life. What are the, some of the names that you've been known by? Right? What are the names you can still hear echo in your head? I've been called a few things that are innocuous, right? Some had a bit more bite to them. Some were said in such a way to let me know that I was not sufficiently conformist. Some names are pretty rough. Dyke. Heard that one a lot growing up. My friends have been called faggot, slut, whore, trashy, drunk, useless, pathetic, stupid, know-it-all, egghead, idiot, homo, queer, brain, nerd, jock. But God gives us a new name. God says to us, that is not my name for you. My name for you is beloved. You don't disappoint me. In fact, with you, 
I am well pleased. The promise of baptism, God's promise to us, is that we are God's beloved children. This is why baptism is about repentance. Repentance means to change, and it is a change in our thoughts. Preacher David Luce writes that through baptism, we know who we are because we know whose we are. Now, as a way to remember our baptisms, or if you have not been baptized, as a way to acknowledge God's grace in our lives, I have set up three prayer stations. One of them asks us to consider what it means to die and rise with God. It's on the table there. Write down those things that are burdens to you and light the strip of paper on fire, put it in the bowl, and let that remind you of resurrection. The second station on the communion table is to ask you to wash your hands as a symbol of cleansing and then take a rock and a dove as a reminder of your renewed commitment to God, the clear rock to remember the water and the dove to remember that you too are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the third station, back on that round table, is where you can write down the name or names that God calls you and say a prayer of thanks. Beloved, friend, child. You can visit the stations in any order you choose, and you can take as long as you'd like. And when all have gathered back at our seats, then we will sing the sermon response song. And I know that it is always a difficult thing to start, um, but please start in any order, any way, any fashion, 